Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. It seems that we have spent uh, a lot of time talking about China as of late. And this included because it's something that, unfortunately, we have just this drive-by attitude towards. We may learn about it just very quickly, and then it's out of sight, out of mind. But it's a very serious issue. And joining us now is someone that's going to be able to really talk about this more. And I'm glad that we have author Amelia Pangon, author of the book called Made in China, A Prisoner, an SOS Letter, and the Hidden Cost of America's Cheap Goods. Amelia, thank you for coming on to KMOX. Thank you so much for having me. And just last night, I was going over that BBC article that came out a few days ago, and it was just so horrific, the stories of the, the the prison camps and what these women were going through. And it's just unbelievable to think the scope of how many people have been put through these prison camps. And I was uh, looking at your background, and I didn't realize that you, are, uh, you yourself have a background uh, when it comes to what we're seeing with the Uyghurs. Uh, yes, um, I, I am part Uyghur and part Chinese, um, and as a part of China's forced assimilation policies, um, my family, for the most part, identifies as Chinese because it's so difficult uh, to, to live your life and have a normal life when, when you're a Uyghur in China. It's It was amazing, and just trying to go through everything that was documented in that BBC article just a couple of days ago, just really the horrific crimes that are being committed there. In your book, uh, you, you start to talk about the abuses of China. It's called Made in China, and knowing that you have uh, some relationship and understanding because of your family background, maybe you can tell me what made you want to write this book. Um, well, actually, um, I was really curious about the SOS letters. Um, my book is about an American woman named Julie Keith who um, opens up a brand new package of Halloween decorations from Kmart one, one day, and out falls an SOS letter that's written by the political prisoner in China who had made and packaged this very product in a labor camp. Uh, so my book tells his story. Um, how he ended up in a labor camp, what happened to him. Um, but it also steps back to look at 
the, the problems in our supply chain and the deeply flawed ways that a lot of companies are auditing their Chinese factories um, and what we as consumers can, can do about it. You know, I hear stories like that. You see them in the news and you don't realize that that actually happens. I always thought they were kind of like urban legends that someone would open up a product and they would find this SOS note in there. But uh, apparently this happens more often than we realize where there are people just these pleas for help that are put into the products that are shipped here and across the world. Yes. um, Unfortunately, China does still have the largest forced labor system in the world at the moment. And, you know, I actually traveled to China for my reporting and I visited labor camps and I talked to the guards who confirmed that they made products inside. I I followed trucks that left the camps to see which exporters they were working with. And, you know, this very much is is happening and, and it's not even hidden very well. If you're a big corporation or if you're a exporter that wants to source from labor camps, all you have to do is show up at the camp and and the guards will talk to you and they'll welcome you and they'll offer to show you around, uh, show you what they make. And, uh, you know, it's it's actually not hard to to document. If you, I think if I could find out as an individual journalist, um, a big corporation with millions of dollars can can definitely find out more than what I was able to if they really wanted to be serious about removing forced labor from their supply chains. Yeah, I feel like maybe in the 90s there was a big movement and people were becoming more aware of where their items were coming from, their clothing, their shoes, and it became more or less something that people knew about, but it didn't seem that changed too many people's habits. It was just too tempting because you go to a big store or whatever and the item's cheaper because of it or whatever product it may be, the the trade-off to forget that happens so quickly. I think even now in 2021, we're starting to become a lot more mindful of where these products are coming from. And it seems like more or less people are actually starting to act on that. Does that, do you feel that same way? Or do you feel like for the most part, we're still ignoring that? Um, I, I do. I do feel like people are becoming more interested these days in how their products are made and whether it was ethically made. Uh, even like with, uh, especially with Gen, Gen Z, you, you see them really taking an interest and willing to, to pay higher prices to buy a quality product as opposed to, to many, many cheap products. Uh, compared to compared to previous generations, they, they have um, a different consumer habits that, that um it seems like we are the har- are the harbinger of of a, a potentially massive shift in our consumption culture. Yeah, it even seems like uh, for the past couple of years, from a government standpoint, when the Trump administration was confronting China on some of these things, trying to find ways to bring businesses back here, that became a, a huge undertaking. And I hope that's one that we continue on. One of the things that I remember, um, and I, sometimes you'll hear different people defend the the different methods of production in China. And they'll say things like sometimes these major corporations will go over there and what they'll do is they'll create communities. So they'll build these factories and, you know, there'll be schools for the kids and it's a good thing for them to do it. 
how do you know the difference about what's coming out of China? How do you even find if there's something that's done on, you know, maybe a company just set up base in China versus them using slave labor, them using uh, prisoners in order to get their things done? Well, the quality of the audits and, and the relationship that the company has with their Chinese suppliers really does make a difference. Um, a lot of companies these days might, they all have their sustainability pages or their corporate social responsibility pages on their websites. And um, But unfortunately, a lot of these uh, pages don't go into a huge amount of detail uh, explaining what how they work with these factories, um, such as what a kind of a deadline uh, do they give factories? How much time do they give factories to make these products? And what specific prices are they actually paying factories to make these products? Um, if they don't give them enough time or if the price is so low that the, the factory can't realistically make it for that low of price, then then the, sometimes the factory has no choice but to subcontract work to labor camps. So that is something that our corporations can control, and we as consumers can start asking our corporations to start revealing information like that. You mentioned the movement uh, in the 90s to, mm-hmm. to really be more aware of where our products are coming from. And, you know, that had to do with the Nike scandals of, of their sweatshops. And, you know, it, that movement really, it, while it didn't save the world, it, it, did, it did move things in a positive direction. A lot of corporations started doing audits um, around that period in response to, to those scandals. Um, and that was something unprecedented. Uh, there were no audits before. You couldn't even, uh, corporations, just, a lot of corporations didn't even know how their products were made. Exactly. And there was no um, particular audit report that consumers could ask to see. Um, so that's a positive step. Uh, but but it didn't quite go far enough. And that's what my book is hoping to show. Um, because the audits that a lot of companies are currently doing cannot actually detect uh, forced labor. Uh, that doesn't mean that not all audits can, but it's just a lot of companies are being vague and not actually revealing what kind of audits they're doing. For example, um, a standard audit might cost a couple hundred dollars, and it would typically check for things like the cleanliness of the factory, uh, the quality of the merchandise, uh, and the equipment. Um, it, it doesn't really check for something as complex as as a secret, a hidden subcontracting to mm-hmm. forced labor camps um, down the street. Interesting. There's different uh, uh, layers to it all. That's fascinating in, in the way that yeah. it's concealed, in a sense. Do you mind? Uh, I'd love to keep talking about this after the break, and I also want to talk a little bit more of the history of it, when this may have started. Yeah. And you're right about the Nike story, because that's when my dad said, no longer are we ever going to buy anything Nike. And that's what, uh, right. in the 90s, you know, I'm in I'm in uh, grade school, high school, or whatever it is, and all your friends, you go around, you look, they're all wearing Nike shoes and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was banned in our household. And I look at that now as an adult. Wow. And I start to understand that a little bit more and how uh, and why he came to that conclusion the more you learn about this sort of thing. So after the break, uh, do you mind if we talk more about this? Sure. Thank you. Uh, 
Journalist Amelia Pang has a new book out called Made in China, A Prisoner, an SOS Letter, and the Hidden Cost of America's Cheap Goods. We'll continue with her next on Overnight America KMOX. Weekday mornings at 8.30, Charlie Brennan and Amy Marks Kors provide perspective on KMOX and KMOX.com. And welcome back. She's the author of Made in China, A Prisoner, an SOS Letter in the Hidden Cost of America's Cheap Goods. Amelia Pang, thank you again for joining us tonight on KMOX. Really, thank you for having me. Yeah, and a big part of the things that we consume here is trying to find the best price on things. We're always scanning. We're always looking. And even the last part of the title of your book, The Hidden Cost of America's Cheap Goods, I wanted to ask you about what is the hidden cost, the things that we don't take into consideration when we know that some of these products that we consume and buy here in the United States are being put together through forced labor in China. Uh, the human cost is the, the human beings that are in labor camps in China who are making our products a lot of the times. Um, a lot of them are not necessarily violent criminals. They're, they are political dissidents. They're religious dissidents. They're ethnic minorities, such as Tibetans and Uyghurs. Um, they are uh, human rights lawyers, and um, they, and these camps can detain them arbitrarily for an indefinite period of time, uh, without ever going to trial, and without access to lawyers. How many people are we talking about in China that may be in a prison right now that are being used as forced labor? It's hard to say an exact number because the Chinese government doesn't release good data on this. Uh, so we kind of rely on uh, individual organizations and journalists piecing things together. But we know that in just the Uyghur camps alone, have they, they have 1.1 Point five to 3 million people. And that's, those, that's not the only camps in China. There's many, many different kinds of uh, labor camps that uh, target all kinds of people. Yeah. And just recently, uh, China in the United States, between the two countries, their relations have been in the news a lot. During the Trump administration, one of the big things was trying to renegotiate things with them. But one of the also big things was the renegotiation of the deal between Canada and Mexico and the United States. And the idea was we have to bring back a certain percentage of our companies to this region, at least this side of the hemisphere, in order to try to take things out. And then, of course, with the pandemic and the virus and the origination site in Wuhan, China, a lot of companies started to consider, well, our distribution is completely disrupted when some of these things happen. We have to really consider finding ways to bring it back here because we can't necessarily rely on on China right now when it comes to these things. And it seemed like there was some momentum going for different reasons. It might not have been the forced labor camps or the humanitarian issues, but it was other reasons, political and economic, that started to turn the tide and bring things back. Do you think that's going to be the future? Do you think more companies are going to start to turn away from the forced labor in China? Uh, I, I wish I could say that I do believe that. Um, and 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 maybe there's a chance that will happen, but I don't think companies will willingly do that unless there are significant policy changes and significant uh, consumer demand for them to do so. I mean, you see Tesla um, opening a lot of factories in China. Um, I, yeah, I don't feel confident that uh, most corporations will um, 
pull out of China and countries like China that offer much, much cheaper labor for um, with very low labor conditions. Yeah, I wondered also the regulatory issues, if they escape certain things by having that done in other countries and importing them in that sense. But yeah, uh, you know, with Tesla, for example, I think most of their batteries that they produce are made in China because of the rare earth minerals and the regulations are so much lower there than if they were to do it here in the United States. But like what kind of companies right now are utilizing this sort of thing that you know of? Oh, there's there's actually so many. Um, it, last year, the Australian Strategic Policy Institute uh, released a report with hard evidence, including the Chinese government's own media reports and, and government documents, that found 82 well-known global brands using Uyghur forced labor. And they included brands like BMW, Nike, again, uh, Abercrombie and & Fitch, and Rothschild Lauren. Uh, these weren't necessarily cheap brands you might think of um, when you think of a cheap brand using forced labor. But um, but yeah, yeah, it's a lot. I would I would say I don't know if there is a company out there right now that isn't vulnerable to having forced labor enter their supply chain if they're not being careful and doing enough to enough due diligence. Yeah, I I will give credit to some people I've seen. There's a lot of like different YouTube channels that do reviews of products. And recently it's become more fashionable for them to specifically show where the product was made. So if it was made in China, they show that. And we've always had it disclosed. We've always had the understanding of knowing where something like that was coming from. What do you think is going to have to change for people to really give a hard a hard thought of where they're going to decide uh, to, you know, why they're going to decide to purchase a product if it's based in China or not and decide maybe uh, they don't want to do that anymore. What do you think is going to be necessary for people to start thinking that way? I think what people will have to, to realize, and that's what my book is ultimately about is our, our current com- corporate definition for sustainability and transparency isn't really good enough. You know, a lot of companies will list, they'll list the names of their factories and addresses. They'll, they'll name, they'll list maybe some summaries of their audits or, or, or some audits, but not all of their audits. Um, but they, they don't quite go into enough detail about what they're, what they're actually doing to, to discourage factories from sourcing, from outsourcing work to forced labor camps where the labor is, extremely cheap and because their workers are not paid or they're paid uh, somewhere around a dollar a month to work 15 hours days, uh, seven days a week. Um, and, and they can be forced to stay up 20 hours or even 24 hours in some cases uh, if they really need to make a production deadline that the company gave them. Uh, so uh, what are what are corporations doing to discourage their factories from outsourcing work to labor camps? Uh, you know, so that that's that's one thing that we should start. There's there's basically new new things that we should start demanding companies reveal and that we ourselves should be looking for when we look at the when we look and judge a company's sustainability page. Wow. So it's not necessarily that it's made in China. It's that 
when it is ordered and manufactured in China that sometimes it's being used in these forced labor camps. So do you see a distinction or is it just anything coming from China is something that is susceptible to this sort of labor? Um, I, I, I do see a distinction. I think there are good factories in China that do pay their workers well and do have good working conditions. Um, but if they're really pushed to the brink and can't make their order in time, then they have to outsource work to some really shady places. Uh, for example, let's say a company like H&M or Kmart or Walmart, they put in an order for 100,000 black hats. But then all of a sudden, a celebrity starts wearing um, lime green hats. And so now everybody uh, wants to buy lime green and other neon color hats. To, to meet the latest trend. Uh, so a lot of corporations will want to capitalize on the latest fad um, as much as possible before it passes and try to get all their hat orders to change and, and become lime green or other neon colors. And, um, and and they often, when they make this big change, when they make this big order, they, they don't give the factories enough time to realistically make them. Um, because they're trying to capitalize on profiting as much as they can after the latest trend, fast fashion trends that change very fast. And and, and so when the factory can't make it, but they also don't want to disappoint um, a big brand that they have worked really hard to acquire, um, then they're going to secretly subcontract work to some really disturbing places and uh, like fa- factories that, that are abusing workers or a lot of times just labor camps themselves. Wow. And when you talk about these things in just the the story, and we were talking about on the show last night, but we've been paying close attention to some of these different prison camps for the detained and held Uyghurs where they're getting deprogrammed and they're getting propaganda. And the, the BBC story talks about some pretty terrible, you know, sexual abuse and crimes that these women are going through. Are these the same facilities that have the forced labor? Or are these different facilities? Um, a lot of them do have forced labor or when they're not being tortured and, and brainwashed, they are sent to work in a nearby factory um, yeah. or sometimes their work, uh, a lot of them actually have connections with uh, cotton fields uh, where they have to, you know, it, it's, it, it is essentially slavery. Uh, these people are not paid. Um, they're tortured and they have to do uh, produce all kinds of products from uh, cotton manufacturing to uh, just manufacturing raw materials of solar panels to PPE equipment to uh, human hair extensions. It's, it's really a wide range oh, of products wow. that these forced laborers are making. It's terrible. I mean, it's they're they're gathered just based on their ethnicity and uh, not yeah. because they committed a crime. And all of these things go on. It's just it's horrific, the stories that we continue to hear. So after the break, I want to hear more about the SOS story that you decided to investigate, because that is very fascinating, too. Do you mind holding on after the break? Sure. So if people want your book Made in China, where could they look? Um, it's everywhere where books are sold, and so are the e-books and audiobooks. Great. Uh, Made in China, a prisoner, an SOS letter in the hidden cost of America's cheap goods. Author Amelia Pang will continue with her after the break on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. 
Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. News Radio 1120 KMOX. The voice of the Cardinals. Emilio Peng is author of a new book called Made in China, which you can find online. It just came out. It's a prisoner, an SOS letter, and the hidden cost of America's cheap goods. Thank you again for coming on to KMOX. My pleasure. So the SOS letter, I want to know a little bit more about that story because every once in a while you hear about these things. They become viral online where someone opens up something they bought and then there's this letter, this distress letter, please help me. And you decided to take that and investigate it a little bit further. Uh, yes, uh, it was written by a man named Soon Yi. He was a political prisoner. Um, he was actually a religious dissident. He practiced uh, Falun Gong, which is a meditation group uh, loosely based on Buddhism that is banned in China. Uh, the reason why they banned Falun Gong is pretty interesting. Um, some say because of the cult. Um, others think it might have something to do with uh, the fact that they had organized a, a protest that gathered to gathered around 10,000 people in the late 90s. And that ability to organize is very frightening to authoritarian regimes like the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and so uh, since then, they've since the ban, they've taken on a pretty um, like a, a, po- a political interest in China in terms of advocating for pro-democracy activism and um, religious freedom and things like that. And a lot of them have ended up in labor camps. Wow. You know, there's 1.4 billion people in China. How do you track one of them, one person down? Uh, well, actually, because he, he, he was an activist and he was connected to some some media people, he was very um, interested in getting his story told in the foreign press. And he actually was not, this particular person was not that hard to reach because he, he was really trying to make himself found. Wow. Okay. So eventually he was released from that prison and you were able to talk to him? Um, yes, yes. Um, unfortunately, I never got a chance to meet him in real life. Uh, before uh, events took a turn for a worse for him, but um, but but we did Skype uh, a lot um, to as, as I wanted to to really bring out the human experience of, of what it was like to actually be in the camps 
uh, right. and to experience that kind of torture and to work that many hours a day and and then to not have any access to medical care. Yeah, and you, um, when you talk to them and you hear all the specific details, and it was like this on the BBC report just a couple of days ago, where they say that, of course, the Chinese government would never admit to any of this and they deny it, but there's too many bits of evidence and corroborating facts and the timelines all match up. There's no reason to disbelieve all of these things are going on. So when you hear these stories... And there's all of these other lies coming out by the Chinese government that, you know, they, they do not want to admit any of this is happening. Um, how I mean, just how dire is the situation in these prisons from the stories you heard from that one person? Um, it's not just this one person. There are, all the stories are, are, are very similar. Um, unfortunately, for the women, there's a lot of sexual abuse. Um, and for the men, excuse me. <coughs> Sure. Get a sip of water. That's okay. You know, we have long form interviews. This happens all the time. So don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, Everyone ends up experiencing a lot of a lot of torture. I know what happens, you know, what, when the pressure's on and you feel like I just got to get a quick sip of water, it'll go down the wrong tube. And next thing you know, it's just there tickling your throat and you can't help but try to cough it out. I, I, it happens. <laughs> yes, um, maybe you can go on and talk about your own experience. How did you feel reading that BBC article? Well, uh, when it came to that article in particular, I heard the stories because maybe dating back to 2019, different news outlets like PBS and those started to report on it. And you hear these stories every once in a while. And it's just horrific because you you hear about this. There's uh, human rights activists that continue to speak out to the United Nations about this. And it's also frightening to think that uh, organizations like the... uh, United Nations don't seem to want to come down on China and they're just afraid to upset such a large trading partner. I think that's why a lot of people were encouraged when the United States started to uh, stand up and say, we're not going to uh, be silent on this. They were very clear of these atrocities that were going on. And I think also when it came to their relations with the country, wanted to make it very clear that we can't be neutral against uh, these type of atrocities and just allow China to act as normal or allow them on certain Uh, councils of the United Nations in order to make decisions on human rights. I love seeing things like that because at least the United States was starting to do something about it when before they were afraid to do something about it. So um, it's the sad thing is even after all of that, this nothing's changed. It still continues. Um, It's, it's still possible to talk to prison guards and hear the stories and people that have been released from the prisons and hear the stories and how that just devastates their life and their family life. And I I just hope something does happen. I, I, it's just, uh, it's sad all the way around. It is. Um, but I, I think there's hope for change. Um, have you heard of the, the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act? No, I have not. What, so where was that filed? Um, that actually passed unanimously in the House last year, and it has been reintroduced in the Senate. It stalled for a bit there, uh, but it looks like they are going to debate it soon. Um, th- this What this act would do is it would ban all products from Xinjiang because Xinjiang is where the mostly most of the Uyghurs live and mm-hmm. the, the the camps there are just so many the rate of forced labor is so high and the surveillance there is also so extreme that um, there's there's no way that uh, 
an auditor, an independent auditor, can actually go and examine the factories yeah. um, and to, to see if there's forced labor or not. So it is really um, a good thing to ban all products from Xinjiang, although it would you know, definitely hurt um, a lot of companies in the short term. Um, but, 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 but this is a really powerful, if this legislation could get passed, it's it's extremely powerful way to push the Chinese government to rethink its policies towards Uyghurs and, and forced labor in general. Um, because the, actually the, the reason why the crackdown on Uyghurs began in the first place, uh, the reason why it really took a turn for the worst in recent years, um, is because China has um, invested a lot of money in a trillion-dollar economic development strategy called the Belt and Road Initiative. And and Xinjiang is actually a key player for that economic strategy. It, it, it's a huge trend. Based on the location of Xinjiang, it, it serves as a huge um, transportational hub for, for this particular economic development plan. Uh, Xinjiang's region that connects China to West Asia, the Middle East, and Europe. And um, China has invested um, $66 billion into the infrastructure in Xinjiang alone um, in 2017 uh, to, to, as part of the Belt and Road Initiative. And and that was 2017 was also when you saw a turning point in just the, the spike in the number of arbitrary arrests for Uyghurs and, and having that area really turn into open-air prison where where it felt like just walking around, you were already in an outside outdoor labor camp, and and so and so the reason why the crackdown happened is closely tied to trade, and so trade is one of the main things that can actually put can actually stop it. Yeah, well, I was just going to point this out too because all these other international organizations and things that are doing things in China. Don't forget that we have another Olympic coming up in 2022 mm-hmm. next year in China. And you remember when they had uh, the Winter Olympics in South Korea and how many people got upset because they eat dog there. And they were so upset because, you know, you go there and they have them in certain, you know, uh, restaurants hanging or whatever. And people got really upset about it. And I'm thinking, you're going to go to China where they have these internment camps where they're held against their will, sexually assaulted, abused and tortured, forced labors. What, what do you think is going to happen when we go to the Winter Olympics there? How do you not shine a light on it in an international stage like that? And how do we not realize that all of these international bodies continue to do these things inside of a country without trying to at least take into consideration that all of these things are happening in the background while you're on the Olympic national stage? So I don't know. It's it, it is um, it, there's so many things that go on, politically speaking, that they're pretty infuriating because we haven't done much in order to just take a strong stand against this when we really should. And I'm just ranting, but what I should do is probably go to break because we have one more segment. Do you mind holding on right after the break? Sure. I'm getting all worked up. Okay. So Amelia Pang is author of made in China, a prisoner and SOS letter and the hidden cost of America's cheap goods. We're going to continue with her right after the break on overnight America KMOX. This is overnight America sponsored by Michael's flooring, the flooring experts. Michael's Flooring Outlet.com on KMOX. So the book is out now. You can actually find it. Made in China, a prisoner, an SOS letter, and the hidden cost of America's cheap goods. And I, you know, it's funny because tonight on the February 4th, we're exactly one year away from the opening ceremonies in China for the Winter Olympics. They open up in 2022 on 
uh, February 4th. So I didn't realize that we're that close to it. And there's been a lot of objections and things on the national scale for it. You know, and before we um, before we go for the hour and Amelia, I've, I've been real fascinated by the things you've discovered. What do you think the big takeaway is after everything you've uh, researched, everything you've done to try to tell the story of what's coming and what's going on in China? Uh, what are those takeaways that you have been able to reflect on after writing this book? Um, I think the takeaway is is that the next time uh, is that if if we could all become more educated uh, consumers and make more informed purchases, um, this really can uh, make a big change in how corporations source from China. Um, you you brought up the the Nike and the example in the nineties and and all the all the protests um, and the and the and the caring of sustainability um, in the nineties and I think it did it did create change uh, it just didn't go far enough and so we need to kind of bring that fervor back and continue to push the needle forward um, so Nike might have started releasing audit reports and doing audits. Uh, since since they had the initial scandals regarding the sweatshops, uh, but now they need to do more, like drop the suppliers that are using Uyghur forced labor. Uh, they need to maybe reveal exactly how much they're paying factories to make the products. If they're paying them enough that they could realistically make it for that for that region, um, these kinds of numbers most corporations don't reveal. And most corporations should also re- also reveal how much time they actually give the factories to make these products to turn it around. Um, otherwise, a lot of factories, if they can't make it, they risk paying a really high late, late shipment fee that would make it um, basically not profitable at all to even work with this brand. Uh, so, so these are questions. So my book goes into more detail about what are the specific questions we should be demanding that are corporations start revealing on their on their sustainability pages and 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 what kind of what kind of questions we should be asking our our corporations uh to reveal and and so that's what made in china is ultimately about it it ends on a note of hope of of actionable steps we can take you think if you're asking those questions in china you are in harm's way If you are a foreigner, no. Foreigners have a, have a lot of protection. Mm-hmm. So when reporters go in, I was just curious with the Olympics next year, and they start talking about those things, I didn't know if there'd be a squeeze to get them out or that they would be doing that at the risk of them being detained. Um, because I'm sure there'll be other protests and other things that are going on around this when the world's uh, cameras are pointing that way, it's going to be very difficult to keep all of that out. It just makes me wonder what we're going to be up against next year, if anything. So I, so one more time, your book is Made in China. It just came out. And if people wanted to learn more about the book, where can they find it? Oh, you can find it um, anywhere where books are sold. Uh, my website is ameliapeng.com. And, and, yeah. and, and it's true. Reporters do face a lot of danger in China, but, but, but uh, a foreign journalist tend to not uh, actually get sentenced for anything they, they might get detained and they might get beat up but but it's not um it's not life endangering the way that Chinese nationals face detained and beat up well we even had a question about what the richest man in China went disappeared for a while and people were wondering mm-hmm. ooh, what happened uh, because there's always speculation you don't know because it's there's so many things that are run in secrecy and people's 
well-being are threatened and it's uh it's not an easy time the thing that you mentioned that's going to be brought up in the senate i i think that's important i'm going to have to look more into that i'm glad that you mentioned it here and again people can look you up you said online at ameliapeng.com is your website yes book is called made in china you can find it Anywhere you can get your books, A Prisoner, an SOS Letter, and The Hidden Cost of America's Cheap Goods. Thank you for spending a full hour with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Wow. I I hope that you learned as much as I did, and I hope that you found that fascinating enough to keep these things in mind, because it's something that we so often kind of sweep under the rug and ignore, but this has really been on the forefront lately. And I got to say, if, if this is something that really does interest you, you should check out Made in China. This book is very fascinating and goes in depth and detail about exactly what we were discussing tonight. She joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Another hour of Overnight America coming up. And I tell you what, we have a lot of opportunities to take your calls. So let's open things up. If you want to talk about anything, Give us a call now. 314-436-7900 on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 